Section thirteen of the Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Capricia Page. The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume three, by Robert Burton. Section thirteen. Partition three, section two, member two, subsection four, part one. Importunity and opportunity of time, place, conference, discourse, singing, dancing, music, amorous tales, objects, kissing, familiarity, tokens, presents, bribes, protestations, tears, etc. All of these allurements hitherto are far off and at a distance. I have come nearer to those other degrees of love which are conference, kissing, dalliance, discourse, singing, dancing, amorous tales, objects, presents, etc., which, as so many sirens, steal away the hearts of men and women. For as Tacitus observes, Book Two, it is no sufficient trial of a maid's affection by her eyes alone, but you must say something that shall be more available, and use such other forcible engines. Therefore take her by the hand, wring her fingers hard, and sigh with all. If she accept this in good part, and seem not to be much averse, then call her mistress. Take her about the neck and kiss her, etc., but this cannot be done except they first get opportunity of living or coming together, ingress, egress, and regress. Letters and commendations may do much, outward gestures and actions, but when they come to live near one another, in the same street, village, or together in a house, love is kindled on a sudden. Many a serving man, by reason of this opportunity and importunity, inveigles his master's daughter. Many a gallant loves a dowdy. Many a gentleman runs upon his wife's maids. Many ladies dote upon their man, as the queen in Ariosto did upon the dwarf. Many matches are so made in haste and they are compelled, as it were, by necessity so to love, which had they been free, come in company of others, seeing that variety which many places afford, or compared them to a third, would never have looked one upon another, or had not that opportunity of discourse and familiarity been offered, they would have loathed and contemned those who, for want of better choice and other objects, they are fatally driven on, and by reason of their hot blood, idle life, full diet, etc., are forced to dote upon them that come next. And many times those which at first sight cannot fancy or affect each other, but are harsh and ready to disagree, offended with each other's carriage like Benedict and Beatrice in the comedy, and in whom they find many faults, by this living together in a house, conference, kissing, coaling, and such like allurement, begin at last to dote insensibly one upon another. 
it was the great motive that potiphar's wife had to dote upon joseph and clitophon upon leucippe his uncle's daughter because the plague being at byzance it was his fortune for a time to sojourn with her to sit next to her at the table and to tell the tale himself in tadius book two which though it be but a fiction is grounded upon good observation and doth well express the passions of lovers he had opportunity to take her by the hand and offer a while to kiss and handle her paps etc which made him almost mad isminius the orator makes the like confession in eustathius book one when he came first to sothenes house and sat at table with crastices his friend ismene sothenes daughter waiting on them with her breasts open arms half bare nudopodium distincta sinum spolata lacteros after the greek fashion in those times nudos media plus parte lacteros as daphne was when she fled from phoebus which moved him much was ever ready to give abundance give attendance on him to fill him drink her eyes were never off him rogabundi oculi those speaking eyes courting eyes enchanting eyes but she was still smiling on him and when they were risen that she had got a little opportunity she came and drank to him and withal trod upon his toes and would come and go and when she could not speak for the company she would wring his hand and blush when she met him and by this means first she overcame him bibbins amorum harubam simul she would kiss the cup and drink to him and smile and drink where he drank on that side of the cup by which mutual compressions kissings wringing of hands treading of feet etc ipsam mihi vidibar sobilare virginum i sipped and sipped so long till at length i was drunk in love upon a sudden philocarinus in aristonidas met a fair maid by chance a mere stranger to him he looked back at her she looked back at him and smiled withal ille dies lithe primas primisque malorum cosse friut it was the sole cause of his farther acquaintance and the love that undid him onelis tutum credere blandidis this opportunity of time and place with their circumstances are so forcible motives that it is impossible almost for two young folks equal in years to live together and not be in love especially in great houses princes courts where they are idle in summa grandu farewell live at ease and cannot tell otherwise how to spend their time achilles was sent by his mother thetis to the island of Cicros, in the aegean sea where lacromedes then reigned in his nonage to be brought up to avoid that harsh destiny of the oracle he should be slain at the siege of troy and for that cause was nurtured by genesco amongst the king's children in a woman's habit but see the event he compressed diadmia the king's fair daughter 
and had a fine son called Pyrrhus by her. Peter Abelard, the philosopher, as he tells the tale himself, being sent by Flubertus, her uncle, to teach Heloise his lovely niece, and to that purpose sojourned in his house, and had committed agnum talenum fam familico lupo. I use his own words. He soon got her good will, plura errant ascula quam senete, and he read more of love than any other lecture. Such pretty feats can opportunity plea, primum domo conducti, in de animis, etc. But when I say, nox vinum et adolescentia, youth, wine, and night shall occur, nox amoris et quietus concia, tis a wonder they be not all plunged overhead and ears in love, for youth is benign in amorum et prono materius, a very combustible matter, naphtha itself, the fuel of love's fire, and most apt to kindle it. If there be seven servants in any ordinary house, you shall have three couples in some good liking at least, and amongst idle persons how should it be otherwise? Living at Rome, saith Arentine's Lucretia, in the flower of my fortune, rich, fair, young, and so well brought up, my conversation, age, beauty, fortune, made all the world admire and love me. Night alone, that one occasion, is enough to set all on fire, and they are so cunning in great houses that they make their best advantage of it. Many a gentlewoman that is guilty of herself, of her imperfections, paintings, impostures, will not be willing to be seen by day. But as Castilia noteth in the night, diem et glis odit, tedarum lusum super omnia mavut. She hateth the day like a dormouse, and above all things loves torches and candlelight, and if she must come abroad in the day, she covets, as in a mercer's shop, a very obfuscate and obscure sight, and good reason she hath for it, noctilatent minde, and many an amorous gull is fetched over by that means. Gomesius, Book Three, Chapter Twenty Two, gives instance in a Florentine gentleman that was so deceived with a wife, she was so radiantly set out with rings and jewels lawns, scarves, laces, gold, spangles, and dowdy devices, that the young man took her to be a goddess, for he never saw her but by torchlight. But after the wedding solemnities, when he viewed her the next morning without her tires, and in a clear day, she was so deformed, a lean, yellow, shriveled, etc., such a beastly creature in his eyes that he could not endure to look upon her. Such matches are frequently made in Italy, where they have no other opportunity to woo but when they go to church or, as in Turkey, see them at a distance. They must interchange few or no words till such time they come to be married. Then, as Sardis and Bohemus relate of those old Lacedaemonians, the bride is brought into the chamber with her hair girt about her. The bridegroom comes in and unties the knot, and must not see her at all by daylight, 
till such time as he is made a father by her. In those hotter climates these are ordinary practices at this day, but in our northern parts, amongst Germans, Danes, French, and Britons, the continent of Scandinavia, and the rest, we assume more liberty in such cases. We allow them, as Bohemus saith, to kiss coming and going, et modo absit lascivia, in caponum ducer, to talk merrily, sport, play, sing, and dance, so that it be modestly done. Go to the alehouse and tavern together, and is not amiss, though, Christosum, Cypria, Hierome, and some other of the fathers speak bitterly against it. But that is the abuse which is commonly seen at some drunken matches, dissolute meetings, and other unruly feasts. A young, pictivanted, trim-bearded fellow, saith Hiram, will come with a company of compliments, and hold you up by the arm as you go, and wring your fingers, will so be enticed, or entice, one to drink, another embraceth, a third kisseth, and all the while the fiddler plays or sings a lascivious song, a fourth singles you out to dance. One speaks to beck and signs, and that which he dares not say signifies by passions, amongst so many and so great provocations of pleasure, lust conquers the most hard and crabbed minds, and scarce can a man live honest amongst feastings and sports, or at such great meetings. For as he goes on, she walks along with the ruffling of her clothes, makes men look at her, her shoes creak, her paps tied up, her waist pulled in to make her look small. She is straight-girded, her hairs hang loose about her ears, her upper garment sometimes falls, and sometimes tarries to show her naked shoulders, and as if she would not be seen, she covers that in all haste which voluntarily she showed. And not at feasts, plays, pageants, and such assemblies, but as Christosom objects, these tricks are put in practice at service-time in churches, and at the communion itself, if such dumb shows, signs, and more obscure significations of love can so move, what shall they do when they have full liberty to sing, dance, kiss, coal, and use all manner of discourse and dalliance. What shall he do that is beleaguered of all sides? Quiem tot tatrosia petunt pule, quiem cute cupient nurus amorque, omnius undice et undiscunque et usque, omnius ambit amor, venusque haemincae. After whom so many rosy maids inquire, whom dainty dames and loving whites desire, in every place still and at all times sue, whom gods and gentle goddesses do woo. How shall he contain the very tone of some of their voices? A pretty pleasing speech, an affected tone they use, is able itself to captivate a young man. But when a good wit shall it concur, art and eloquence, fascinating speech, pleasant discourse, sweet gestures, the sirens themselves cannot so enchant. Petrus Jovius commends his Italian countrywomen to have an excellent faculty of this kind, 
above all other nations and amongst them the florentine ladies some prefer roman and venetian courtesans they have such pleasing tongues and such elegancy of speech that they are able to overcome a saint profacia multis vox sua lina fruit tanta gratia vocas fama conciliabat saith patronus in his fragment of pure impurities i mean his satyricon tam dulces sonas permusabat ara putares inter aras cantare sarinum concordium she sang so sweetly that she charmed the air and thou wouldst have thought thou hadst heard a concert of sirens o oh, good god when Lias speaks, how sweet it is! Philocolus exclaims in Aristanus, To hear a fair young gentlewoman play upon the virginals, lute, viol, and sing to it, which, as Gellus observes, Book One, Chapter Eleven, are lascivientum delictae, the chief delight of lovers, must needs be a great enticement. Partinus was so taken. Mivoxista avida harit ab are animem. O sister Harpadonna, she laments, I am undone. How sweetly he sings. I'll speak a bold word. He is the properest man that ever I saw in my life. How sweetly he sings. I die for his sake. Oh, that he would love me again. If thou didst but hear him sing, saith Lucian, thou wouldst forget father and mother forsake thy friends and follow her helena is highly commended by theocritus the poet for her sweet voice and music none could play so well as she and daphnis in the same edlian quiem tibis os dulceest et vox amenabilis o daphine Jocundius est odire canetem quium melingere. How sweet a face hath Daphne, how lovely a voice, honey itself is so pleasant in my choice. A sweet voice and music are powerful enticers, though Samian singing wenches, Aristonica, Onanthe, and Agathocelia, Regis, Diodematius insulturant, insulted over kings themselves, as Plutarch contends. Sintum luminibus, sintum caput Argus habibat. Argus had a hundred eyes, all so charmed by one silly pipe, that he lost his head. Clitophon complains in Antadius of Lucifer's sweet tunes. He heard her play by chance upon the lute, and sing a pretty song to it in commendations of a rose, out of old Anacreon belike. Rosa honor de crusque florum, rosa flas odorque divum, hominum rosa est valupas, decus ilia gratiarum, florente amoras ora, rosa suaviam, Dionis, etc. Rose, the fairest of all flowers, Rose, delight of higher powers, 
rose the joy of mortal man rose the pleasure of fine woman rose the graces ornament rose dione's sweet content to this effect the lovely virgin with a melodious air upon her golden-wired harp or lute i know not well whether played or sang and that transported him beyond himself and that ravished his heart it was jason's discourse as much as his beauty or any other of his good parts which delighted medea so much delectabatorinum anima simul forma delectabusque verbis it was cleopatra's sweet voice and pleasant speech which inveigled antony above the rest of her enticements verba ligant hominem et tar orum cornua funes as bulls horns are bound with ropes so are men's hearts with pleasant words her words burn as fire ecclesiastes nine ten roxalana bewitched suleiman the magnificent and shore's wife by this engine overcame edward the fourth omnibus una ones sorpuit veneres the wife of bath and chaucer confesseth all this out in her experience some folk desirous for riches some for shape some for fairness some for that she can sing or dance some for gentleness or for dalliance peter aretine's lucretia telleth as much and more of herself i counterfeited honesty as if i had been virgo virginissima or more than a vestal virgin i looked like a wife i was so demure and chaste i did add such gestures tunes speeches signs and motions upon all occasions that my spectators and auditors were stupefied enchanted fastened all to their places like so many stocks and stones many silly gentlewomen are fetched over in like sort by a company of gulls and swaggering companions that frequently belie noblemen's favours rhyming corybantiasmi thoracian radamantes or bompomachides that have nothing in them but a few players ends and compliments vain braggadocians impudent intruders that can discourse at table of knights and lords combats like lucian's leonticus of other men's travels brave adventures and such common trivial news ride dance sing old ballad tunes and wear their clothes in fashion with a good grace a fine sweet gentleman a proper man who could not love him she will have him though all her friends say no though she beg with him some again are incensed by reading amorous toys Abadis de Gaulle, Palmerin de Olivia, The Night of the Sun, etc., or hearing such tales of lovers, descriptions of their persons, lascivious discourses, such as Astonassa, Helen's Waiting Woman, by the report of Sudius, writ of old, de concubitus modus, and after her Fulinius and Elephantine, or those light tracts of Aristes Milesius, mentioned by Plutarch, 
and found by the Persians in Crassus' army amongst the spoils. Arentine's dialogues with ditties, love-songs, etc., must needs set them on fire, with such like pictures of those of Arentine, or wanton objects of what kind soever, no stronger engine than to hear or read of love's toys, fables, and discourses, one saith, and many by this means are quite mad. At Abdera, in Thrace, Andromeda, one of Euripides' tragedies, being played, the spectators were so much moved with the object that those pathetical love-speeches of Perseus, amongst the rest, O Cupid, prince of gods and men, etc., that every man almost a good while after spake pure iambics, and raved still on Perseus's speech, O Cupid, prince of gods and men, as Carmen, boys and apprentices with a new song as published with us, go singing the new tune still in the streets, they continually acted that tragical part of Perseus, and in every man's mouth was, O Cupid, in every street, O Cupid, in every house almost, O Cupid, prince of gods and men, announcing still the stage-players, O Cupid, they were so possessed all with that rapture, and thought of that pathetical love-speech, they could not a long time after forget, or drive it out of their minds, but, O Cupid, prince of gods and men, was ever in their mouths. This belike made Aristotle, Politics, Book 7, Chapter 18, forbid young men to see comedies, or to hear amorous tales. Hayek igitar, juvenes, nicam, felisque puele, inspixiant. Let not young folks meddle at all with such matters. And this made the Romans, as Vitreus relates, put Venus's temple in the suburbs, extramurum, ne adolescentes veneris insuscans, to avoid all occasions and objects. For what will not such an object do? Isminius, as he walked into Sothenes' garden, being now in love, when he saw so many lascivious pictures, Thetis's marriage, and I know not what, was almost beside himself, and to say truth with a lascivious object who is not moved, to see others dally, kiss, dance, and so much, and much more when he shall come to be an actor himself, to kiss and be kissed, which, amongst other lascivious provocations, is as much a burden in a song, and a most forcible battery, an infection, Xenophon thinks, as the poison of a spider, a great allurement, a fire itself. Proemium ot anticoinium, the prologue of burning lust, as Apuleius adds, lust itself. Venus quita parte sue nectaris imbuit, a strong assault that conquers captains and those all commanding forces. Damasque ferro sed demares oscuro. Aretine's Lucretia, when she would in kindness overcome a suitor of hers and have her desire of him, 
took him about the neck and kissed him again and again, and to that, which she could not otherwise effect, she made him so speedily and willingly condescend, and tis a continual assault. Ac non deficit insipti simper, always fresh, and ready to begin as at first. Basium nullo fine terminator, said simper, resin est, and hath a fiery touch with it. Tainte modo tanger corpus, jam tua membra calore fluent. Especially when they shall be lasciviously given, as he feelingly said, et me presulum deosculata fotis, catenatis lacteris, abtorto valgerto iabello, vagius suavis dum sem muco suavio, miam puellum suavior, anima tunc agra et susia, a concuritad labia mihi. The soul is all moved. Jamplurus asculis labra crepidabrant animarum quidque mixurum facientes in tormuturus complexus animas anhelantes, hasimas calentes, ex transfundimus hinc itint iabellis, erantes animas valete cura. They breathed out their souls and spirits together with their kisses, saith Balthazar Castillo. Change hearts and spirits, and mingle affections as they do kiss. And it is rather a connection of the mind than of the body, and although these kisses be delightsome and pleasant, ambrosial kisses, suaviolum dulcius ambrosia, such as Granamede gave Jupiter, Ductarum suavius sweeter than nectar, balsam honey, Oscula, merum amorum, Stellantia, love-dropping kisses for the gillyflower, the rose is not so sweet as sugared kisses be when lovers meet, yet they be an irksome impression, like that of aloes or gall. Utmi ex ambrosia, mutatum jamfluit illud, suavulium triste tristius elobro. At first ambrose itself was not sweeter, at last black hellebore was not so bitter. They are deceitful kisses. Quiet me, molibros implicas lacteris, quiet falasibus osculis inescias, etc. Why dost within thine arms me, me lap, and with false kisses me entrap? They are destructible, and the more the worse. Et quiemet perdunt osculmilia debat. They are the bane of these miserable lovers. There be honest kisses, I deny not, osculum charyatus, Friendly kisses, modest kisses, vestal virgin kisses, 
officious and ceremonial kisses, etc. Osculosensuous, bacorium, amplexus, kissing and embracing are proper gifts of nature to a man, but these are two lascivious kisses, implicitiusque suus circum miet cola lacteris, etc. Too incontinuate and too violent, brachia non hedera non vincunt, oscula conque. They cling like ivy, close like an oyster, bill as doves, meretricious kisses, biting of lips, cum adamento. Tam impresa ore, saith Lucian, ut vix labia metrahant inter deosculandum mor discantes, tum edo apparentes, queque et mamas atregantes, etc., such kisses as she gave to Gieten, innumera ascula dedit, non repugnante puero, servisum invadens, innumerable kisses, etc., more than kisses, or too homely kisses, as those that he spake of, acceptoras ab ipsa venere, suavia etc with such other obscenities that vain lovers use which are abominable and pernicious if peter de ledsimona holds every kiss a man gives a woman after marriage bimortale peccatum a mortal sin or that of hiram adultera as kiskis in exurum suam ardenturum as amator or that of Thomas, contactus es asculum pectatum, or that of Durand, abstinere debent conjugis a complexu, toto tomperes quo solenitas nuptiarum interdictura. What shall become of all such immodest kisses and obscene actions? the forerunners of brutish lust, if not lust itself, what shall become of them that often abuse their own wives? But what have I to do with this? End of section 13 Recording by Capricia Page